Welcome to this week's Energy Show. Now, the sun was shining the morning Donald Trump became president-elect. I checked. I got pictures on my website. Solar continues to be the most cost-effective way of generating electricity. New, new politics, new policies in the country don't change the economics. So there's no doubt in my mind that the solar industry will continue to grow and thrive under President Trump's administration. Now, perhaps not as fast as in the past decade, but we'll continue to generate rapid growth because people are just putting in solar. It makes sense. It's cheaper than utility power. And over the next four years, economics, the economics of solar, the, the price of electricity, the jobs that we create are going to matter more than ever with a Republican administration. So here we are. President Trump is going to be taking over in about two months, and he has very different views about energy manufacturing, and business in general than, than the Democratic administration previously under Obama. And many of these views, candidly, are troubling to the solar industry. You know, a lot of people, including me, were looking forward to Obama's clean power plan, and Hillary had committed to putting in 500 million solar panels over four years. That's a lot. I don't know if they'd go on homes or utilities, but that was a lot. And, and that's not going to happen now. That's just, that's over. But the thing is that many of the views that President Trump has can be very, very good for the solar industry. So this week, we'll be talking about the formal Republican platform for energy, indications on what Trump will really do based on his recent comments and attitudes, and talk about the impact of these Trump policies on the solar industry. And then finally, we're going to kind of wrap up with what the solar industry can do to maximize the continued growth, to maximize solar deployments, to maximize job creation, and to help businesses and homeowners continue to reduce their electricity costs. Now, here's the Republican platform in a nutshell. They want to kill the clean power plan. That's Obama's uh, set of regulations and rules, which is going to cause call for reduction in greenhouse gas emissions by 32% by 2025. Most of the clean power plan was focused on utility power plants because that's where a lot of the pollution is being caused as they burn coal and gas. And, and now that's over. And there's also not going to be Hillary Clinton's vision of 500 million solar panels going up in four years. That's not going to happen. The Republican platform also calls for the use of more coal, which when I kind of look at the, the platform verbatim, it says use more coal, which is a clean energy source. And, and I just the, – the thermodynamics of that just don't work out. That's a fact. The Republican platform wants to ease nuclear permitting and prevent any taxes being implied to carbons. Many economists – think that a carbon tax is the most efficient way to penalize burning of, of greenhouse gas fuels. The, the thing is that the Republican platform does not agree that we have a, a global warming problem, so they're not going to try and solve a problem that they don't think exists. The Republican platform wants to avoid allowing radical environmentalists, is how they term them, be involved in policy. And they want to solve environmental problems with human ingenuity in the development of new technologies. I mean, you know, that, that, that last statement is great. Let's put capitalism to work. Now, Donald Trump's energy position is at times very different than that of the Republican Party. President Trump, historically, you kind of look at his commentary over the past 20 years, and even during the election, he goes with his gut. He's not necessarily asking advisors exactly what he should do, and he's not necessarily asking what his political supporters what he should do. He just kind of says, this is what I think, and this is what we're doing. So I would not be surprised at all that President Trump turns into a big supporter of solar power. I may be overly optimistic, but 
he will really do things, I think, that are going to be good for small business. He's talking about independence and human ingenuity and and building a good economy and creating a lot of jobs. And we'll talk a little bit about what we can do with the, the coal industry, but I think he might actually do very well. He has a 100-day action plan to make America great again. And there's three action items in this plan that, that address the energy se- sector. The first is lifting restrictions on job-producing energy reserves, including shale, oil, natural gas, and clean coal. So basically, he wants to take away rules and regulations that may increase the costs of producing energy from these fossil fuels. It uh, doesn't mention solar, which is kind of unfortunate, but it's because uh, the solar industry was you know, necessarily incredibly behind his candidacy, and he's got a lot of fossil fuel industry advisors. The second thing in his, in his 100-day plan is lifting roadblocks to vital energy infrastructure projects like the Keystone Pipeline or like the Dakota Pipeline. So those things may come back, and there, there's going to be pipelines that are going to help move fossil fuel energy, oil, coal, et cetera, to areas that are, that are needed in the country or areas where we can refine it into gas. And the third thing that he's going to do is cancel funding commitments to the UN climate change programs. So the Paris Agreement, the goal is to back out of that in some way. Now it's, a, it's an agreement, a treaty in some senses, but the president does have some ability to, to get out of that. Now, the, the thing that's concerning is that a lot of what he's talking about is a very protectionist approach. He wants to cancel NAFTA. He wants to cancel the Trans-Pacific Partnership. And you know, that, that will create more jobs in the U.S. It may also have a negative impact on costs. So everything else is going to get expensive. If we can't buy cheap cell phones from China, then we're going to have to buy expensive U.S. cell phones. Of course, we'll have more money in the U.S. because the phones will be made here. But let's talk about specifically solar. There's one big manufacturer of solar cells in the U.S. There's a bunch of little plants, but the only real big manufacturer of cells is Solar World, which is a German company and benefits very heavily from tax credits they get in the Pacific Northwest. There's a number of module assembly factors. There's one right here in San Jose that we use all the time called Oxen. They make the modules here, but they buy cells, which are a commodity, from anywhere in the world. The thing about solar panels is all the ingredients, everything that goes into a solar panel, they're more expensive in the U.S. The glass is more expensive here. The aluminum frames are way more expensive here. The back sheets, which is the plastic on the back that seals the water out, that's more expensive. The glue, the wire, these components are kind of worldwide part of a supply chain, and they're cheaper overseas. If we have to buy all those components in the U.S., plus use more expensive labor in the U.S., the panels are going to be more expensive. And no surprise, Solar World, which does their manufacturing here, they have among the most expensive panels. And so that's going to change. The other thing, which is really interesting, we, when you visited a lot of solar power, solar panel plants, and I've visited dozens of them, it's it's highly automated plant. There's not a lot of jobs in solar manufacturing. These are these are designed as lights out plants. I mean, you got a few people running machines and maybe very you know a little bit handling at the end of the assembly line with the boxing, but it's all automated. So that's the protectionist approach is going to probably increase the cost of panels. And we saw what happened when tariffs on Chinese panels were imposed and prices went up. Now, changes at the EPA. This is also concerning to a lot of people. Mr. Trump has characterized global warming as a hoax perpetrated by the Chinese. So he's going to end the participation in the Paris Agreement. Now, as far as who's going to take over at the EPA, we've had a very climate-sensitive group of people there. But Meyer and Ebel is 
proposed as taking over the transition team at the EPA. And and Mr. Ebel is a real contrarian. He's in, in global climate change denial. He disputes the conclusions of 95% of the climate scientists, and he wants to get his view out there that we really don't have a climate change problem. Now, he's also heavily funded by the fossil fuel industry. You know, follow the money, no surprise. The next thing that's going to happen is rules and regulations at the EPA that don't require legislation are going to be changed. And, and Ronald Reagan went through you know, a huge list of things that he changed right away. President Trump is going to do a lot of the same things. We're going to have drilling on federal lands. We're going to relax ozone rules. We're going to eliminate a lot of funding for energy efficiency and clean energy. We're going to eliminate the moratorium on coal leasing. We're going to start doing more oil drilling and energy development offshore. Now, I'd say what we want to do, at least in the solar industry, and this kind of harkens back to the 2000 to 2008 when the last Republican president, we want to banish the words global warming. I mean, regardless of what you think about it, and candidly, I believe that we have a real big problem, talking about global warming is not going to help the solar industry at all with this administration as it, as it seems now. So, you know, don't paint your trucks green because that's going to turn off a lot of Republicans. Focus on the, the economic benefits of solar, on inexpensive energy and job creation and energy independence, not on clean energy. Now, what about the DOE? Ernie Moniz, he's out, probably. Harold Hamm, who's an Oklahoma oil tycoon and a fracking expert, is a contender for taking over the DOE. And there's going to be a lot of other conservative fossil fuel insiders, and they're going to focus on domestic fossil fuels, including offshore drilling, more fracking, more pipelines more oil and gas infrastructure, and they're not going to be investing in clean energy technologies, systems, and deployment. That's just going to be a fact. Now, there are going to be many things positive for the solar industry in the Trump administration, but it's hard to figure out exactly what those are going to be yet because we don't know how President Trump will be different than candidate Trump. Now, presidents always, always move to the middle of the political spectrum. They may start out kind of on the left, or they may start out conservative on the right, but they move to the middle in order to govern effectively. There's a lot of compromises that have to be made, and they can't get everything done based on their political party. So what we're seeing is Trump has already started to do that. He's cautiously backing off or altering some of his more contentious plans. Now, yeah, I'm going to talk about the specific things with regards to energy that may look good for the solar business. Now, before we talk about that, keep in mind that the solar industry actually thrived under the Bush administration. And I was installing solar back in 2001, 2000, and you know, I, I, President Bush was there, and he was a big fan of nuclear, and he was an oil guy. But you know what? He passed the initial investment tax credit, which um, really, really helped commercial solar and utility-scale solar. And there was a $2,000 cap on residential. And then, as part of the TARP program, he uncapped the residential tax credit, which was probably the single biggest incentive for the solar industry that, that's been in existence ever. So 30% tax credit was passed under President Bush. So I think that as long as these tax credits stay in place, and that's not a foregone conclusion, but solar has a, the potential to thrive under this administration also. Now, now keep in mind, and you know, this is uh, an anecdote that people bring up, that Reagan did indeed eliminate the previous solar tax credit Jimmy Carter put in place, and President Reagan eliminated it in 1981. But the reason why he eliminated that tax credit was because oil and gas prices had already plummeted after the oil embargo, and he wasn't really a big fan of, of renewable energy or solar. And, you know, at the time, the solar thermal was with really, really cheap oil and gas. 
not that cost effective. It's much better now. Now, we definitely want to keep that tax credit, but keep in mind these things kind of come and go, and the tax credit's already scheduled to sunset. In 2019, it's going to go down, and it's going to disappear in 2021. The thing to remember about the, the overall political situation and the policies of Republicans and conservatives, rooftop solar is needlessly expensive, not because of high equipment costs. Solar panels are like almost a tenth of what they were a dozen years ago, but because of a blizzard of rules, regulations, permits, and fees. So let's get specific about reducing these regulations and red tape, which we call soft costs in the solar industry. So I, some things that I would like to do if I had you know, a magic pen, and, and I think Republicans are much more likely to try and do some of these things, although it's going to be tricky to get them done on a national level, but I would standardize permitting requirements for simple rooftop systems throughout the U.S. Every single community would have the same permitting requirements, just like we have for a satellite dish. I'd simplify the utility interconnection and net metering rules across the country. Here's one way to do it. Every, every utility has the net meter. Here's the standard contract. You know, live with it. Same throughout the U.S. That's going to make it a lot less expensive for companies to operate in different jurisdictions. I reduce the insurance costs. Solar companies pay a lot of health insurance for their employees, liability, vehicle, workers' comp. It is a huge portion of what we install in terms of our costs. So, you know, if those insurance costs went down, we'd be able to install systems less expensively. And I'd eliminate a lot of the regulations that currently and in the future will apply to solar financing and solar contracts. I'm not saying we want to, you know, make these things completely go away. I just want to simplify them. We don't need a lot of complexity. We don't need a standardized 50-page solar contract to put a solar system on your roof when, you know, you can get an addition on your house with a one-page contract. So what's interesting is reducing these regulations and red tape. It's almost a Republican mantra, and applying the same philosophy to solar will slash our deployment costs. The things that I mentioned, permitting, interconnection, insurance, regulations, things like that, those don't exist in countries like Germany. And that's why it's half as expensive to install solar in Germany than it is in the U.S. So these things are going to be good for the solar industry if they're put in place. At a minimum, I'd hope that we wouldn't have new regulations on solar. The other thing that will happen with the Republican administration is the stock market is signaling that the economy is going to grow. Since Trump was elected, the stock market has gone up by 2.9% already. That's like a lot in the last week. So that means that there's going to be more business spending and there's going to be more consumer spending. And that's going to be good for people who are looking at using some of their disposable income or savings for solar. So we're talking about how it's going to evolve. And, and I'm not that totally pessimistic that Trump's going to be a disaster for solar. And we're not talking about other issues like climate change, which are important and, and lots and lots of other issues that people are demonstrating about, but just talking about solar. So what can the solar industry do? Well, we're not going to sit on our hands. We're not going to complain that you know Hillary didn't win. What we're going to do is more of what we've been doing for the past two decades. We just got to you know, suck it up and we just got to keep going to work, which is we need to continue to reduce our costs. We need to continue to create more domestic jobs and we, and this is the biggest, we need to do a much better job educating people in the red states and the new policymakers that are coming into Washington about the benefits of solar. We're losing out on that. We're not doing a good job. Education is the biggest missed opportunity that the solar industry 
has had over the past five years. We've been complacent. We haven't been concentrating on educating people that solar is good. We've been focusing in D.C., and we haven't been really doing a great job focusing on the rest of the country. So I thought I looked at the election map after the election, and I said, hey, gee, that map of who voted for Trump and who voted for Clinton looks just exactly the same as a map of the most solar-friendly states. That means that the states on the coast, in the Northeast, California, some of the other states in the South, those are the country, the states that have, that have been very, very big solar supporters. They're all blue states. And the center of the country, which is, is you know, the majority of where the people live, they are basically not supporting solar because they don't know about it and they voted for Trump. So what we need to do is make sure that our education efforts are reaching out to parts of the country that don't have solar yet. That, that may not understand the benefits. And we really need a grassroots approach for that. So there's all kinds of reasons for the correlation between the electoral map and the, the solar map. But the fact of the matter is that we need to educate residents in these red states that solar is good for their employment and it's good for their economy. And we can also tell them it's good for the environment. I don't know how much that's going to resonate. So the, when I talk to people, the opinion is that solar is too expensive. It's, it's not reliable. No. Anybody who has a system knows that these things are cranking out electricity every day reliably as long as the sun shines. You get a, you get a system, you put it in now, it's six cents a kilowatt hour compared to over 20 or 25% from utility. And, and there's, a, there's environmental benefits that are important to a lot of people. And the thing to remember is once we educate these homeowners, these residents, these citizens, they're voters, and voters are eventually going to have an impact on pro-solar policies. Now, obviously, we can't rest on our laurels regarding costs, but I'll tell you, every installer I know, every manufacturer, every distributor, companies like Cinnamon Solar, we're working really hard to reduce our costs because we're in a very competitive industry. And if we don't, our competitors will, and we're going to lose business. So we're competing not just among ourselves, too, the manufacturers, distributors, installers. We're also competing against incumbent energy suppliers. So we're trying to make our electricity cheaper than what the utility charges. And the utilities are going to try and lower their costs. We have to lower our costs more. There may be extra fees that apply to solar. We have to lower our costs more so that we can overcome that of those fees. Now, these cost reduction goals are now even more important and more compelling since it's possible, I don't think it's probable, it's possible that federal incentives such as the investment tax credit may go away sooner than we expect. We got them extended at the end of 2015, about a year ago, and they're good through 2021, but you never know what's going to happen with tax reform. All right, so that's costs. As far as jobs engine, solar is a tremendous employer in the country. We have two, over 200,000 solar jobs now and the potential for 400,000 in a few years. So we need to pound home the message that solar power is the fastest growing industry in the U.S. Now, let's talk about the coal industry, which Trump has said he wants to bring back and a lot of fossil fuel people want to bring back. I mean, gee, as a practical matter, almost no one believes there's going to be a sudden increase in the demand for coal mining jobs. Utilities have already transitioned to less expensive natural gas and renewables. Very unlikely that they're going to suddenly say, let's put in some new coal plants, because by the time those coal plants are put in, four years from now, we may have a different administration. Those regulations are going to go back into effect and and they're going to have to clean it up. It's going to be less cost effective again. And with trade restrictions that may be applied to imports, that's going to have a, a mirror effect on our exports. And it's going to be even less likely that the U.S. coal is going to find viable export markets. So we've got to do something else with those people who are in the coal industry. And I'd love to just put them to work in the solar industry. 
And finally, what we need to do is support the organizations and companies that are communicating the benefits of the solar industry. I'm talking about education, communication, not only policymakers in, in, within states, which are more important, and in D.C., but also citizens. So now more than ever, we need to contribute our time and money to national SIA and to the state SIAs because the federal policies are less friendly to solar right now. They're likely because we've got a new administration. So it's critical that we crank up our state-level efforts in favor of net metering, in favor of rate design that's solar-friendly, and in favor of grid access. Vote Solar does a great job on this on the state level, and there's a dozen very active solar state organizations, Cal SIA, Arizona SIA, Colorado SIA, Florida SIA, I can go down the list, that are our bulwark against the fossil fuel industry Simply saying, I like to say, simply saying, see ya. We're not going to let that happen. So the sun's going to come up. The solar industry is one of the best hopes for our economy and our environment. And regardless of your party affiliation or opinions of President-elect Donald Trump, as Americans, it's our obligation to do everything we can to help him be successful because his success is going to be our country's success. Well, that's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcasts.